Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Thursday, June 15th edition of the Fox Sports Fantasy Podcast. I'm here with uh, my fellow charlatan and uh, DFS guru, Mike Rathburn. Uh, Mike writes for Rotowire. Um, he's done DFS work for a long time, other fantasy work for a long time. And uh, he's a really smart guy. And I brought Mike on today because, as people who listen know, I've, I've been, this is the first year I've done DFS baseball on a regular basis. And it's, dra- it's DraftKings-focused, Mike, so we're start, to start. And I'm struggling. I've been playing fantasy baseball for 30 years. I did not think this would be easy. It's harder than I thought. Do you hear this a lot? Yeah, I certainly do, John, and thanks for having me on. Um, it, it, it's without a doubt, I think people look from the outside and, and think that they can carry over, and, and it's it's really hard, man, because season long, you're riding these players out for anywhere from one month to six months, you know, depending on who it is, and, and on daily, everything every day is a new puzzle. Yeah. And there's so many different there's so many different things that you can look at, and oftentimes it's it's paralysis, you know, the, the analysis by paralysis or whatever the terminology is. It's it's like so many people are looking at so many different things, mm-hmm. and they spend way too much time on it, and they get confused. And then they do research, and they have a lineup, and then they listen to a radio show, and the player that they like, the radio guy doesn't like. So then they <laughs> jump off and they pick the other. I hear I'm just and I'm just telling you what other people tell me, yeah. like the frustrations that they, you know. To spend all that time doing research only to have one person sway their opinion without any context. So that, you know, and then they get frustrated with that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's very research intensive. It's very data driven and there's so many things to look at and people get overwhelmed and they get confused. And that's just the research process that doesn't even go into bankroll management, contest selection, uh, in line of construction. It's just, it, there's a whole, piece you know there's just four different pieces of of baseball that you really need to know how to do it and it does take time and oftentimes people will play lose and never come back right um you talked about riding certain players for a certain amount of time are there any guys you're riding right now well i mean look man i mean it's kind of obvious on some players like aaron judge uh (laughs) where you just continually you know but but you know in daily again it's based on the opposing matchup the ballpark and what the salary is. So, you know, Aaron Judge's salary is creeping up. If he's on the road in L.A., it's kind of tough to take him. But if he's at home against Gaussman, you know, he's definitely in play. So you don't necessarily gravitate to one particular player every single day because, every you know, it changes. But I say, you know, for sure, he's got to be the guy that, you know, people have looked at and really been able to profit the most with. I mean, the most steady guy for me is like somebody like Paul Goldschmidt at first base. Does everything great. Hits in a great ballpark hits a good lineup and you can, you can never really go wrong with Goldschmidt. Okay. Um, everybody, before we move on, we're going to talk more about strategy than players today. Um, and, and I'm sure it's going to help, uh, because Mike knows his stuff first. He's on Twitter at fantasy Raff. I'm at Jay Halpin 37. You have questions. Uh, please ask us. Okay. So talking about a guy like Goldschmidt. So you, you have to make, uh, all right, let's say Aaron judge. I'm on DraftKings right now. Aaron judge tonight is 5,600 salary. I look at him and I think of a cash game and I go, what sacrifices am I going to have to make to roster Aaron judge? Do you tend to roster a player that expensive or a player like Goldschmidt uh, more in cash games or tournaments or, or both and you, and you sort of build the roster around a guy like that? Yeah. An expensive hitter is hard to take in cash games because the variance on hitting is so high. 
And even in a perfect optimal situation like Aaron Judge against a really bad righty at home that gives up a lot of fly balls, uh, and it's 90-degree weather and the wind is blowing out, I mean, everything would have to be lined up in order for you to take Judge in a cash game at that price, in my opinion, mm-hmm. on DraftKings because their, their salaries are what's called dynamic, meaning that they price in the ballpark and the pitching matchup and the handedness of the opposing pitcher. So if the judge is going against a lefty, he's going to be priced up more. If he's at home, he's going to be priced up more. If he's on the road going against a righty, he's going to be priced down a little bit. So they're, they're, they're baking that into the salary. So it's something that a lot of new players don't really realize. So you're, you're definitely going to pay to use them in optimal position. Um, because, and, and you don't want dead spots. So it's, it's, you know, you really want to go with more of a balanced lineup in cash but you always want to have one guy that you can lean on, hopefully. And if it's Judge or Goldschmidt or Votto or anybody, like, you, I do try to get one guy in there. But if they get over 5K, it can be tough. Got it. Um, what do you normally – do you do you look at it – you said every day is different. Do you approach it with a pitching budget in mind? On DraftKings, I think you have to. And my kind of standard rule of thumb is eighteen to 20000 in cash is what I allocate towards pitching. And then in GPPs, I'm looking more in the 16 to 18 K range. So I'm giving up a couple thousand dollars that I, I'm going to allocate more to hitting with the expectation. I'm, I'm going to stack and look for more upside and, and ceiling. And uh, cause I'm doing the variance play. And then also, you know, whether it's two $8,000 pitchers a 10 and an eight or a 12 and a six, you know, with a guy like sale, when he approaches 14, it makes it really tough to take a guy, you know, if you're looking at what are you going to do? Take somebody that's 5k. Right. And if there's somebody on the slate and you think you can do it, then absolutely. But those opportunities are few and far between. So um, I think one of the mistakes I see guys make is like taking, you know, trying to take like two top pitchers in a, in a night and spending like 24,000 on, on your, on your pitching. And then you've got nothing left for hitters and you've got a bunch of guys that are hitting seven, eight, nine, that are facing really good pitchers that are in low scoring environments and you have way too many, way too many zeros in your hitting lineup and the pitching doesn't make up for it. And you got to still hope that the pitchers hit because if they don't, then your whole lineup is toast. Right. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've been, it's funny. I've been going 18 to 20 on pitching and always top four lineup guys, almost always against, you know, non elite pitchers. And I feel like, I feel like I'm missing on the bats. I feel like I get the pitchers right more than I get the bats right. I get too many zeros. And mm-hmm. and I feel like it's the – you talked about leaning on a guy, and I look at my rosters and I go, I, I feel like there's too many Peraltas and Pedroyas and not enough Aaron Judges. And I know it, that's based on budget. Mm-hmm. But it's got I, – I, is, is the home run paramount to, to the hitters you pick? Or are you trying – Right now, bats, well, but yeah. Yeah, well, with the way the shift in the game is this year, yeah, home runs are you know home runs are more prevalent and strikeouts, you know, contact is becoming less and less you know of a, of a commodity, and it's becoming home run derby. So yeah, home runs there is more of a premium placed on home runs right now, but DraftKings scoring is so they do give a little bit more of a premium to just base hits singles, mm-hmm. so it does offset that with the with the lighter weight guys. I think what you know, really what you need to do is what's critical is you have to study the starting lineups and when they come out, 
you have to look for those opportunities where guys are in incredible spots and their price is so low that you cannot pass them up. I'll give you some examples in the past week or two. Um, Malik Smith hit and lead off for Tampa. Jose Perala hit and lead off for San Diego. Those are two guys where they're extremely, they're in incredible situations. And if you use those players, it's going to allow you to spend up a little bit more on pitching and hitting. Hey, look, you always want to take a guy hit and lead off. That's cheap because he's going to get more at bats. He's going to get opportunities to, because the two, three and four hitters hitting behind them are a lot better than a seven hitter. Who's got eight, nine, eight, you know, eight hitter in the pitcher, you know, something that I'll give you a, a tip. So think about this. If you're taking a seventh or an eighth hitter, cause you're just trying to save money and they're in the national league. Well, what's the odds they're going to get driven in because one of the guys hitting behind them is a pitcher. Yep. And that's not something that people think about. So I, I never roster a seven or an eight hitter in the national league because the likelihood, if they get on base, they're going to even do anything and they're going to get a stolen base. or they are going to score is so low that you're just, you just get getting rid of it. So, you know, there's guys in the American league that you can take that are hitting seven, eight. I usually never take a nine hitter, but you know, seven, eight hitters in the American league that are in good spots. I think you can use and save money. Okay. What are your favorite hitter when you're researching? What are your favorite stats to use? The weighted on base average Mm -hmm. is usually like the go-to, like that's kind of the standard of what you want to look at because it, it's not just an on-base percentage where it's saying how many times does the guy get on base is actually giving a percentage value to yep. whether it's a single, a double, a triple, or home run. So that would be number one. Um, I also look at what's called hard hit rate. That's the percentage of times that it's measured that the, the guy hits the ball hard. So if it's a slap hitter, you know, no chance of hitting a home run, where if it's a guy who, you know, is playing middle of the, you know, middle of the field, you know, a middle infielder, and he hits the ball hard. At least I know I got a shot at hitting a double or home run. Um, contact rate. I want guys that, that make contact with the ball. I don't want guys that strike out because um, I want to give myself a chance to at least get the ball in play. Uh, I look at fly ball rate because, again, I want guys that hit the ball in the air that hit home runs. And then the last thing I'll look at in conjunction with contact rate is also study uh, K to walk rate. So I want guys that have really good batting eyes that can at least draw walks and get on base and do something. So those are like the key five core statistics that I'll look at. There's so many other ones that people will tell you that they look at, but I think just starting out for a new player, you stick with those five as for hitters. And I think they'll be okay. Okay. So uh, on, on the numbers you just, the, the one that jumped out to me that you were talking about was the hard hit rate. What, what that makes me think, and I've been thinking it lately, I'm going, do, do I just, Miguel Cabrera's salary keeps dropping because he's not producing. But I'm looking at this and I'm going, it's got to come, right? It's got to come soon. Because of that, I mean, the hard hit rate is way up there. Plus, I mean, the mm-hmm. other numbers you mentioned, it, it, they make sense. So is that a guy, do I wait for him to start hitting or do I start plugging him in thinking he's going to hit? I, I, I would wait because I think a lot of people fall into the trap of saying he's going to break out any day. He's going to break out any day. Well, don't bank on him potentially breaking out any day. Uh, wait till he breaks out for a day or two mm-hmm. and then use him because the salary is still not going to go up that much. If he has one or two good games, his salary is not going to jump up that much if he's been in a three-week slump. Right. So don't continually use a guy. I'll tell you right now, there's been guys that will repeatedly over the years 
take Giancarlo Stanton every single day because they think he's going to hit two home runs and he goes over four and just repeatedly slump after slump after slump. And people keep taking him every single day. And then the one day he hits a home run, they clap, they clap themselves. It's like, Oh, he was dead for 30 days. And he, you know, on day 31, he was good. I mean, you know, you lost all those other games, but you, you won one. How, how much is that good? So I don't take guys that are in dreadful slumps unless it's a situation where let's say Nelson Cruz has been on a three week slump and he's at home. He's going against a really bad lefty and his price is bottomed out. I'll plug him in just saying to myself, if he is going to snap out of it, I'm paying nothing. And he's in an incredible spot where even if he does nothing, I'm fine. Right. Okay. So he kills lefties. He just absolutely crushes lefties. All right. So that's, that brings me to another guy. Um, you're talking about, you want, you want cheap guys in good spots, right? So, so two day, Wilmer, Wilmer Flores is 2,900 today against Gio Gonzalez. Last oh, two, yeah, they've been playing against lefties over and over and over, and you almost have to play him. Right, and he's still, the last couple of days, he's, I, I use him, I'm going, all right, two days in a row he killed me, but I, I got to go yeah, back to that well. Yeah, right he's, they've been facing lefties like crazy, and they hit him, and he, like, second or fourth usually. Um, you got to play him, man. I mean, unless there's some other guy at that position that's really, really off the charts, that's where you're going to save money because you're playing. Sometimes you got to look at it and say, you don't want to do that with every single spot in your lineup, but some of the spots in your lineup are just going to have to be guys that are in incredible situations historically, but maybe they're not swinging a hot stick right now. Right. And you just hope that they snap out of it that day because baseball is like that. I mean, if you look at like, if you look at a chart of a hitter over an entire season, 162 games, and you do like his DraftKings points, you're going to see clusters of the guy getting, getting double digit points for like four or five games in a row. Yeah. And then he drops and then he goes up and then he drops. I mean, it, it's so much of a cluster game yeah. that I kind of laugh when people say they don't believe in streaks. Cause like the data shows that streaks exist. Uh, right. So, um, you know, that's just, if you look at, I mean, there's very few players that are going to have a straight line. Okay. You know, I mean, maybe Mike Trout, you know, it's, it's about as, you know, it, you're just going to see it. And, and what you're hoping for is that Flores against a lefty is going to be the spot where he's going to break out and, you, and you're not paying that much for him because it allows you to pay up for the pitcher that's proven or to pay up for the other hitters. Yep. Um, do you go after... You talked about DraftKings having dynamic pricing. Do you go after Coors Field, or do you stay away because of the salaries, generally? Uh, I pick and choose. So here's the thing with Coors. So the Coors, the Rockies pitchers now are a lot more ground ball heavy, yep. and their bullpen is a lot better. They have a really good bullpen. So going against the Rockies and Coors has not been as advantageous as it has been in years past, but you can still use the Rockies. You can still use the Rockies bats. My general rule of thumb with Colorado is this. The average over-under last year was about 10.5. If the over-under is 11 or higher in cores, I will look to get exposure in the game. If it's 10.5 or less, I'm looking to fade the game because they're jacking up the salaries regardless of what the over-unders are. So I'm only going to pay up when I know the run environment is projected to be, better, to be higher. So if it's like 12, 12 and a half, then I have no problem paying up and I'm not looking to stack the game, but I'm definitely looking to get two or three bats, whether it's, you know, Blackman or, um, cargo or Arenado, uh, or story against a lefty. And and then just looking at the opposite side, 
you know, typically if I like a course game, I'll probably look to try to get three bats, you know, two from the Rockies, one from the other side or one from the other side, one from the Rockies. Um, that's usually how I look at cores right now. And tonight, I, I'm looking. I'm seeing 11 for tonight. Just seeing. So you know, I think that's a Matt Moore factor. That's the reason for that. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. So I know like Trevor's story is really cheap, and he hasn't really been hitting all that great. Right. But that's a guy I would take a chance on, especially like really what you want to do is um, you can take chances on like middle infield guys because you know the ceilings aren't as high. But a guy like Story does have a super high ceiling, and if you get him cheap in a yeah. really good spot. And a story could hit two home runs tonight. He could. There's and not a lot of shortstops. Right. There's not a lot of shortstops that you can look at and say, I'm paying down and I got a shot at two home runs. You know, if he hits, I'm going to be really, really good. If he doesn't, I'm still going to be okay because I'm not paying a crazy high premium on him. Yep. And the last few days, by the way, story, last few days, last three games, four hits, one strikeout, which for him is pretty good. Yeah, I know. That's really good. And he hits lefties yeah, pretty well. Issues. Um, uh, right. Crushes lefties and cores. His numbers are through the roof. So, all right. So let's say you want it, whether it's a game like that or another one. You mentioned stacks earlier. When you go in a tournament lineup, do you have a, a typical stacking strategy? I mean, do you go four guys? Do they have to be in a row? What, what, how do you do it? Yeah, you usually want to get um, – so DraftKings is a little bit different in the sense that you can technically stack six. Yeah. Um, so you could you can max out and go one through six, two through seven, three through eight, et cetera. I mean, typically, you're, because you can do up to six, you really want to do them sequentially, and you want to go one through six because you want the most number of at-bats, mm-hmm. especially with the way DraftKings scoring is because they do reward light hitters. So it's a little bit different on FanDuel where you're going more power heavy, but on DraftKings, no problem going one through six, get as many at bats as humanly possible. That's the, that's the direction you want to go. Um, and then what you're doing is you're looking for um, one-offs. So, I mean, what I typically like to do is I like to get a stack where it's not involving the catcher. Cause I know I need to save money and I'm always going to look to save money at the catcher. So I'm hoping that I can I can get a stack that doesn't include a catcher because most catchers hit seventh, eighth, and ninth anyway. So yeah. if the if the catcher's not in there, I know I can save some money. Um, shortstop might not be in there, especially in the National League, and probably one outfield. You know, probably you know. So catcher, shortstop, and maybe an outfield spot. If the stack has got like you know first base, third base, two outfielders. Uh, three outfielders and second, you know, I know it's a really good stack. That's something that's going to play really, really nice. And I'm not having to overpay for positions that I really don't like anyway. So like Arizona is a good example. Arizona when fully healthy. Usually you can get first base, third base, second base. If it's jury hitting sixth, Peralta, you got outfield, a couple outfielders in there. That's why I love stacking Arizona because you're usually not going to take the catcher. Uh, usually one of their middle infield guys is hitting at the bottom of the order. And then you're only having to worry about eight hitters anyway. Right. So that's why I really like stacking National League teams, especially Arizona, because my catcher and my outfield or my middle infield, I can go find that somewhere else. Okay. And so Arizona is usually my favorite stack and because the way the lineup construction works. That's if I'm doing 6-1-1, which is for tournaments is really what you want to look for. 
No, it doesn't mean you can't do it another way. It doesn't mean you can't do five two one or five one 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 or four three one. Um, there's certainly other ways you can do it, but you want to look at six first and okay. see if there's something there that makes sense from a pricing perspective. Got it. Okay. So let, let's say you really like the Tigers and you look at it and you say, and there's a few teams like this. I can't think of the other ones. They're the one that jumped out to me. You look at the Tigers and you say, well, Miggy's third and Victor Martinez is fourth. What do I do? Do, do you, do you avoid it? Do you skip a guy? What do you do? Oh, in terms of they both play the same position? Yes. Yeah, no, that's tough because, like, I think the Indians are in that spot. Um, the yep. Red Sox are in that spot. You know, yeah, it, that's frustrating. It's a really good question because typically what I'm going to do there is if it's a right-handed pitcher, let's say it's the Red Sox. So Moreland bats lefty and Hanley bats righty. If it's a righty, I'm going to take Moreland because he's the lefty and he hits so much better against righties than Hanley does. Right. That's kind of the way I would approach it. I mean, the twins are a good example too, like Maurer. You can't never take Maurer. Right. So you, you, know, you want to go Vargas, you know, because he just Maurer's a dead hole. Uh, and and he, so there are going to be situations where the stack is going to be nice. You're not going to be able to go one through six because for whatever reason, there's going to be a double position there. So then you're either looking at um, what I would typically do in a situation like that is I then just go five. Okay. I'll go five. But non um, they have one, to be non-sequential two, then. Right. One, two, four, five, six, uh, you know, two, two, three, four, five, six. You know, I just figure out where they're hitting in the lineup and avoid it. You know, let's say Maurer's hitting second, so I'll go one, three, four, five, six. So I know I'm getting Sano. I know I'm getting Dozier. I know I'm getting Vargas. I'm getting Grossman, whoever, Kepler. Um, and I'm just avoiding Maurer because there's no upside there. Um, and it's a double position. So – you know, I'm still getting Vargas and sequential. Uh, it's when, if the stack means that you got to start jumping around and you got to go like, you know, one, three, five, six, seven, you know, maybe that's not the stack that you want because you know, what's going to happen. Yeah. The two and the four hitter are going to go off and you're not going to have a piece and you're going to be sitting there smashing your computer. Right. That makes sense. All right, everybody, here's what we're going to do. Um, I would love to talk about this with Mike all day, but we're going to let him go. And what you're going to do is if you want more of this great advice, which was great today, hit him on Twitter at fantasy Raff. Um, and, and as he does more work, his work on RotoWire or wherever else, he's going to let you know where it is. But I urge you to follow him. He's a great DFS source for baseball and football. Um, great stuff. Mike, what else are you working on right now? Well, RotoWire, my weekly articles on RotoWire. And then also, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see that every now and then I'm promoting some stuff, whether it's one on one coachings. Uh, free resources, uh, Baseball Almanac, which is a statistical database from 2016. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to figure out what the next thing is that I can offer. I- I'll tell you this. I'm definitely going to be doing some teaching videos that people can buy for, you know, or kind of, you know, like a video on demand type thing and uh, for a really, really economical price. Uh, other videos out there, you know, in the $10 range, these will not be in the $10 range. Uh, I'll assure you that. And I think that um, that's been kind of the feedback I've gotten from people. They really want videos. They wanted me to show them the process. Yep. And um, they don't necessarily have time to do coaching. And so that would be a better way for them to, you know, get education on DFS. I will, I will be watching when you do it. So thanks for today. I really appreciate it.
You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Again, everybody, Mike's at Fantasy Wrap on Twitter. I'm at JHelpin37. Um, the rest of our stuff, foxsports.com slash fantasy. Lots of uh, fantasy baseball stuff. And fantasy football is cranking up right now. We're at middle of June. Uh, rankings are there. Helpful articles are there. It, it's time to worry about fantasy football if you're not already. So, so please get over there and check out what we've got. We'll be back with another podcast next week. So come on back and listen. For Mike Rathburn, I'm John Halpin. And thank you for listening to the Fox Fantasy Podcast.